what are we discussing on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast? Are the D-backs adding another DH? Who should be the backup shortstop? And of course, my free play of the day to get you guys some money this MLB season. You are Locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Dimebacks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to who? The Always Charismatic always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. I'm there you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. And one of those platforms is YouTube, so please hit subscribe to Locked on Dimebacks on YouTube. We are at 912 subscribers. We've been stuck around that number for a few days now, so please hit subscribe so we can hit 1,000 subscribers before opening day. Now for today's podcast, we're going to be talking about my play of the day, of course, going to wrap up the pod by looking at some fan duel of bets and giving you my favorite ones pertaining to the D-backs this upcoming season. We'll talk about who should be the backup shortstop to Geraldo Perdomo and are the D-backs in the market for another DH. We'll discuss all that on today's Locked on Dimebacks podcast, but I have to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets for your first bet of $5 or more wins visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started now let's jump into the podcast and let's talk about a little report that we saw today about the d-backs might still be in the market for another dh a right-handed dh to pair with jock peterson i gotta tell you i was actually pretty surprised when i saw this report because i told i've been telling you guys on this podcast that if mike hazen wanted to wipe his hands clean and say, you know what? My job as the GM, this offseason is done. Like, I would not have been mad at all. You upgraded the rotation. You fixed third base. You brought back Lords Guriel. Maybe we would have liked, you know, one more reliever or something like that. But for the most part, I thought Mike Hazen hit every hole and weakness the D-backs had entering this offseason. And now I see the report that they might not be done. Why uh, might want to add another righty DH to pair with Jock Peterson, who's a lefty. If the D-backs do that, I would be over the moon. Now, the right-handed DHs that the D-backs are looking at, they're not going to be the JD Martinez's or the Jorge Soler's because this will be a guy who doesn't play every single game and only might play 70 games or whatever this season assuming full health like if he is just the platoon dh guy like they might only play 50 to 70 games obviously there's potential for more with injuries but that won't be a guarantee if you sign with the d-backs for this role so the guys that the d-backs are reportedly interested in to be their right-handed dh are Tommy Pham, Randall Gritchick, and Adam Duvall. We're going to talk about the pros and cons for each one right now because we'll start with Tommy. Uh, we'll start with Tommy Pham. Did I just say Tommy Henry? We'll start with Tommy Pham. 
a guy that we saw with the D-backs last season. One of the reasons the D-backs didn't resign him because it sounded like he wanted a full-time, everyday role. But now that we're, you know, right about to start spring training, maybe Tommy Pham has reconsidered his original stance and maybe he'll be happy coming to the D-backs, playing a half season with a chance to win the World Series. Tommy Pham last season with the D-backs was fine. He played 50 games with the D-backs, 241 average, 720 OPS. Didn't put up like eye-popping numbers, but was pretty consistent the whole year and really turned it on a little bit in the postseason. I think everyone really enjoyed the Tommy Pham experience. We love what he did for Jace Peterson in the World Series as well in that Game 2 victory over the Texas Rangers. So Tommy Pham, I think, is already a pretty good fan favorite and a good clubhouse locker room guy. Of course, you pair him in the locker room with a Jock Peterson. We know about the slap situation from last year or a couple years ago. So uh, a lot of interesting things at play if the D-backs do bring back Tommy Pham. But if you're just looking at it from a baseball perspective, Tommy Pham did really good against left-handed pitching last season. 787 OPS, 16 extra base hits, and 9 home runs in 78 games against lefty pitchers last year. And for his career, Tommy Pham has always been a good hitter against lefties. 834 career OPS against lefties. Now, he's not one of those guys that are only good in platoon situations. Tommy Pham actually fares pretty well against righties. Like, he's a career for his career, he's been a pretty consistent guy from both sides of the plate, so you're not going to feel any sort of way if you do have to play him against right-handed pitchers as well as a righty batter. He has a career 768 OPS against right-handed pitchers, so Tommy Pham does do well from both sides, so you won't have to worry about him in that situation. So even though pairing Jock Peterson and Tommy Pham, maybe there's some <laughs> pushback there. Maybe there's some sparks flying in a bad way there. But still, Tommy Pham already been in the clubhouse, already knows the D-backs organization, already had himself a good playoff run, really good against left-handed pitching as well. I would be very I would be very interested in bringing back a Tommy Pham uh, for the D-backs next season. The other guy that the D-backs are linked to, two other guys. The next one is Randall Gritchek, who we know from the NL West because he played for the Colorado Rockies the last couple years, has also been in the AL East with the Blue Jays and the NL Central with the St. Louis Cardinals. Gritchick has always been a pretty interesting player, multiple 20-plus home run seasons, a career 761 OPS, so he is a pretty solid guy. And when you look at his numbers against left-handed pitching, like Gritchick is kind of the ideal platoon situation because against right-handed pitching last season, he had a 694 OPS in 113 games, but against left-handed pitching, a 995 OPS and eight home runs in just 67 in just 60, 60, yeah, 67 games. I was like, for some reason, the number my brain couldn't figure out how to read it. But Gritchick, 995 OPS in 67 games last year with eight home runs, absolutely crushes left-handed pitching, and in his career, 822 OPS with 66 home runs. Over 617 games against left-handed pitching. Career OPS 822 against lefties. So Gritchick is probably the best guy on this list against left-handed pitching overall. If you do want just a straight platoon guy, he is someone that does the best against lefties. Now, if you also want him to play against righties, that's not exactly his strength. That's probably where Tommy Pham fits better. But 
If you know you're only going to play him strictly those 50 games against left-handed pitching, then maybe Gritchick is your guy because he has the best numbers of the three candidates who we're going to talk about against left-handed pitching. And then the final guy that the D-backs have reportedly been linked to as a potential DH option is someone that I do like a lot, Adam Duvall. He had a really good run with the D-backs last year before getting hurt. Played just 92 games because of injury, but 834 OPS overall, 24 doubles, 21 home runs. Looked really good in that D-backs, excuse me, in that Red Sox lineup. Now, the thing that was weird when you look at the sample size from Duvall last year, he did better against right-handed pitching as a right-handed batter. 863 OPS against righty pitchers, 756 OPS against lefty pitchers. Now, that's still not a bad number, but... Of his 21 home runs, only three of them came against the lefties, which is just so weird considering he's a right-handed batter. But when you do look at his career numbers, he has a 770 OPS against lefties, 760 against righties. So you would at least feel that, like a Tommy Pham, Duvall can do damage from both sides of the plate, regardless of who's on the mound. And Duvall also, big power guy. He has way more power than a Gritchick or a Tommy Pham. And also, I think he's probably a better defensive player as well. Gritchick can play every defensive outfield position. So can Duvall. I think Duvall might be a slightly better defensive player than Gritchick, though, overall. But I think each player does offer something that's enticing to this D-backs team. When you think of Duvall, you think of raw power. When you think of Gritchick, you think of someone that's younger and can just absolutely crush left-handed pitching. And when you think of Tommy Pham, you think of someone that has already made his mark in a D-backs uniform. So I don't really care which direction the D-backs go in, to be honest, because I would just be happy just adding another bat. The idea of the D-backs one through seven lineup every single day being deep and being well-balanced and being able to attack the opposing matchup, regardless of the pitcher on the mound, the D-backs are going to have options and answers for whoever is pitching so I would absolutely love for the D-backs add a righty DH into this mix because the D-backs have true World Series aspirations and if you can make this team even better then why would you not do that if you're Mike Hazen in the front office now we'll talk about who should be the backup shortstop to Geraldo Perdomo in segment number two But first, I want to talk to you guys about FanDuel Sportsbook because if you want to place a little futures bet down on the D-backs 2024 World Series odds, the best place to do that is FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two. Or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which player will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. Best believe I'm taking Patrick Mahomes and the boys to win the Super Bowl. I'm taking Mahomes over on the yards, over on the TDs, and that Chiefs money line because I know my homeboy is going to bring home another chip. New customers, <clears throat> new customers join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more at FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, all right, 
right, let's get back into the Lockdown Diamondbacks podcast. And let's discuss another spring training battle that we need to discuss. The battle for the backup shortstop. This is something that we uh, forgot about on Monday's podcast when we were doing our power ranking for the biggest spring training battles for the D-backs this offseason. We forgot. We, I forgot to talk about the battle of the backup shortstop. So we're going to be talking about that today because Geraldo Perdomo, let me rephrase that, all-star Geraldo Perdomo is definitely coming back to man shortstop for the D-backs last season. I do like Perdomo. I don't think he's a long-term answer. I love him as this bridge gap until we get Jordan Lawler, you know, up to speed. But where Perdomo is right now in his career, I would take it. Solid guy offensively not going to put up crazy numbers or anything like that but really good play discipline really good play discipline really good at you know making those sacrifice plays we need to quality speed as well as a bottom of the order guy I think Geraldo Perdomo is pretty important to this D-backs team solid glove as well just overall really in on Perdomo and last year he crushed with runners in scoring position if he can just continue to do that the rest of the numbers really don't matter for Geraldo Perdomo so like the fact that he's coming back to be the shortstop for next season but the question is who should back up Perdomo so let's go through some of the options the first option and these are not even a power ranking because I'm not even sure how you would rank these guys so we're just going to talk about each one uh, individually Kevin Newman is the first guy. I think he has some options where the D-backs have to decide if he's making the opening day roster or not. Um, I, I don't really know all the particulars about that. I just know Kevin Newman is a guy, when we look at the past two seasons, he's put up an OPS of 800 or better against left-handed pitching. That would be his calling card. That would be the reason he uh, gets, that would be the reason he makes the opening day roster and wins the backup job because Gerardo Perdomo is someone that batted better as a lefty against right-handed pitching. So for Kevin Newman, he would be a nice complimentary piece to Gerardo Perdomo. The issue is with Kevin Newman, he's absolutely horrendous against right-handed pitching. So you would not like to see him in any of those scenarios. His defense also absolutely horrendous subpar a negative 11 outs above average and minus eight runs above average over the course of his career at shortstop he just never been good at shortstop um defensively and offensively he just doesn't do anything for you outside of being good against left-handed pitching I'm just not really that into Kevin Newman, a guy that can't play at any defensive infield position, a guy that's only good half the time offensively, and even when you say half the time, it's not like he's Corey Seager against left-handed pitching. He's just above average against left-handed pitching. So Kevin Newman, uh, he is going to be in line to potentially win the backup shortstop job to Geraldo Perdomo, has a little bit of speed, which you might like, Eight stolen bases each of the last couple years in under 80 games. So that's another enticing mark. But he's just so bad offensively and defensively. I don't know if it's worth it. The second candidate is, of course, the D-back shortstop of the future, Jordan Lawler. The question for Jordan Lawler is just, is he ready for the major leagues? Because based off what we saw from him last year, Jordan Lawler doesn't look ready for prime time. And that's okay. He is only... 21 years old he just turned 21 he just became legal to drink in the past 
few months, was 20 years old when he debuted for the D-backs last year. That 129 average and 335 OPS definitely isn't pretty. 11 strikeouts and 31 at-bats. You definitely want to see him improve, but Jordan Lawler is just oozing with so much more upside than any of the other candidates we're going to be talking about today. The question is, will throwing him in the fire Will that help his development or would that stunt his development? That's the biggest question. What's the best way to develop Jordan Lawler? Because he's not someone that you want to mess with in terms of his development. He is someone that's supposed to be a core building block of the future for this D-backs team. Maybe he doesn't turn into the next Corey Seager or you know prime Carlos Correa, but if he's at least an above average major league shortstop for the next 10 plus years, a way better version of Nick Ahmed, you would definitely take that as a D-backs fan. So for Jordan Lawler, you don't want to mess up that development in any way. So you have to figure out the best way for him to grow. Is that starting the year in AAA and let him get those reps in Reno? And then when Kevin Newman gets hurt or you're just like, man, I can't do any more of this experiment because he just absolutely horrendous on every facet of the game. And you then call up Jordan Lawler, you know, month two or whatever. Maybe that's the best way to go for Jordan Lawler but if you're also like you know what Jordan Lawler of the candidates to be the backup shortstop he's the most dynamic athlete he has the best speed he has the best glove and in the perfect world he is the best bat we don't know if the bat is major league ready yet but maybe the best way is to just throw him out there in the fire and let him get his reps so the D-backs will decide the best course of action for Jordan Lawler. You don't have to rush him because he is the future and because you do have Geraldo Perdomo holding down the shortstop position for now. You can let him cook in the oven a little bit longer to make sure you get the right, you know, I, I was going to make like a cooking reference there, but I think I want to stop right there. So for Jordan Lawler, you don't have to rush him. He's like a gingerbread man. Don't rush him. You want to make sure you cook him to perfection. So the D-back could really do anything with Jordan Lawler, but if they decided to make him the backup shortstop, I mean, he just has so much more upside than the rest of the candidates. I would understand why the D-backs want to do that, but I would also understand why if they want to send him down to AAA to start the year. Then the final guy that's a candidate to be the backup shortstop is someone that played with the D-backs last year and was acquired at the deadline, Jace Peterson, and I don't know why the D-backs acquired him. He is just horrendous. Again, like a Kevin Newman, just offers you really nothing offensively. He does have a little bit of speed, 15 stolen bases in 133 games last year, but mid-30s now, going to be 34 by like the start of the season or like by month two of the season. So it's not like he's he's not like he's exactly a spring chicken. 211 average, 611 OPS last year. There's just no upside with Jace Peterson, and he's also a lefty bat who did awful against right-handed pitching last season so I'm just not in on Jace Peterson I'm glad they got himself a World Series at bat but I just don't think he's an effective major leaguer I don't really want to see him in a D-backs uniform to be honest I hope he can stay around in major league baseball I'm not saying he shouldn't have a job but he shouldn't have a job with the D-backs it will probably come down to Kevin Newman versus Jordan Lawler just because Kevin Newman can do damage against left-handed pitching and that could complement a Geraldo Perdomo but personally I I would just ride with Jordan Lawler I would honestly rather the D-backs maybe trade for another backup shortstop than the current options that they have but of the candidates we do have I would just throw Jordan Lawler in the fire let him learn and develop by actually playing against these major leaguers and either he will figure out 
He will either figure it out or he won't. But I think that would honestly be the best course of action for the backup shortstop because these other candidates are just so horrendous. Unless you're telling me whoever wins the backup shortstop plays like 20 games the whole season, then at that point it probably doesn't matter. But this guy will probably still get 50 to 60 games throughout the year. So if that's going to be the case, I would rather just give it to Jordan Lawler and let him work out his struggles on the major league level. Now that's it for segment number two and segment number three we're going to be talking about some fan duel future awards pertaining to the d-backs which d-backs players could take home an award this season and which ones are the best bets we'll talk about that coming up next but first i want to talk to you guys about this little thing that i love to use to get some extra money in my pocket called ibotta it's officially soup season. Make sure you get all the ingredients you need to master your recipe while getting cash back on your purchases with Abada. Abada is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. The average Abada user earns $145 per year. That could cover the, that could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip by that flight you've been eyeing, that game you've been dying to go to, or that fancy dinner you've been craving. Join the over 50 million savers and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKEDONMLB when you register. Just go to the Apple App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use code LOCKEDONMLB. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code LOCKEDONMLB. Welcome back into the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. If you like the show, follow me on Twitter at CareerToms24 for my personal account or look up Locked on Dimebacks both. Look up Locked on Dimebacks wherever you stream podcasts, of course. And also look up Locked on Dimebacks both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. So now let's get back into the podcast and let's discuss our plays of the day. Our favorite FanDuel bets for this upcoming season, some futures bets that I've been looking at, and these are pertaining to player awards for this upcoming season. There's a D-back in every major award, which should make you feel good, but I don't think all of them are great bets, so we're going to talk about the best bets that I think you should place a little wager on so you can walk away this MLB season with some extra money in your pocket. The first one, if you want good odds, Corbin Carroll, NL MVP. We're going to start off the top with something hot. Corbin Carroll, of course, finished top five in MVP voting just last season as a rookie. And if you think he has a chance to have a Ronald Acuna-esque leap, then why not bet on Corbin Carroll to win the MVP? Because I think Carroll is probably... Maybe the maybe he's the third closest player to what Aronald Acuna could do because a Fernando Tatis Jr. can also do what Acuna could do. And he might be my favorite guy to bet on to win the MVP next season if he's fully healthy. But let's talk about Corbin Carroll because he's currently 
I'm looking at the numbers. He's eighth in MVP voting next year. It goes Acuna at plus 500, then Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Shohei Otani. Tatis at plus 1,000 is fifth. Matt Olson, Bryce Harper at plus 1,200 is seventh. Then you got Corbin Carroll, eighth at plus 2,200. So that jump from the seventh at plus 1,200 at Bryce Harper to Corbin Carroll at plus 2,200 in the number eight spot is a pretty big jump. So you could get... Pretty good value there with Corbin Carroll. And what we saw from Ronald Acuna last year, that's kind of what it's going to take probably if you're going to win the MVP next season. Acuna was a 40-70 guy. And you're probably going to put up numbers similar to that. Maybe not exactly that, but that's where some of these players are going to live in terms of the stats. Ronald Acuna, once again, is probably going to put up a 40-40 season. Someone like Fernando Tatis, probably going to put up a 40-40 season. We know Mookie Betts can do it all. We know Freddie Freeman can bat 350 with 25 home runs and drive in 120 RBIs. Shohei Otani, he's not pitching next year, but if he didn't pitch this past season... He was still would have won the MVP in the AL because his offensive numbers are absolutely insane. So the field is definitely stacked in the National League. But again, if Corbin Carroll can take another step forward, get five to ten percent better, then all of a sudden he's a 30 home run, 60 stolen base kind of a guy, maybe a 300 average, maybe 90 plus RBIs and 110 runs scored. So I think Corbin Carroll is going to have himself a chance to win the MVP next year at plus 2,200. I think those are pretty interesting odds. How about the National League Cy Young Award? I think Zach Gallen is just absolutely due to win a Cy Young Award. He could have won it last year if he didn't struggle the last six weeks of the season. The year before, if there was no Sandy Alcantara, Zach Gallen, I think, was the best pitcher in the National League despite not finishing second in the ballot. I do think he was the second best pitcher in the National League. I think we're at a point where everyone knows who Zach Gallen is. He had the World Series run. He's been great in the regular season in the last few years. I think Zach Gallen has the respect and admiration of the guys who vote on this award, of the players and his peers, the managers. I think everyone knows how good Zach Gallon is. And he's currently fourth in NL Cy Young voting odds. And I think that's probably some of the best value you can get for Zach Gallon going forward because you got Spencer Strider at plus 550, Zach Wheeler plus 850, Logan Webb at plus 1000, and then Zach Allen, number four at plus 1200 for a guy who's been arguably the best pitcher in the National League the last three to five years like gallons in that conversation and i think the fact that he's fourth in the voting right now or fourth fourth in the odds right now it could be the lowest he's in the odds for the next couple of years because that's how good zach gallon is fourth could be the lowest odds he ever has entering a season for the next two to three years so i think at plus 1200 zach gallon is definitely an enticing dude to bet on entering the season for the cy young award the D-backs do have odds for their Rookie of the Year as well. I wouldn't bet on this. There are great odds, plus 2,100 for Jordan Lawler. He's 7th. I just don't think he'll get enough opportunities to win Rookie of the Year this year, so we're not even really going to talk about it because for him to win Rookie of the Year, Perdomo would have to get hurt or something like that. And I just don't see a world where Lawler is as is good enough to win Rookie of the Year next year or he gets enough opportunities to win Rookie of the Year. So we're going to move past NL Rookie of the Year. If you want to bet on it, plus 2,100, be my guess, but it's not something that I'm advocating for. I'm advocating for Cy Young and MVP, but I'm not advocating for Rookie of the Year. And then the one that I actually think is the best value and the best odds and something that could actually hit, I think MVP 
is kind of tough for Corbin Carroll, but I think the odds are good. Gallon, I do think he has a very high chance of winning the Cy Young because I think he's on the very, very short list of guys that can win it. But my absolute favorite bet right now for the future awards is the manager of the year. Tori Lovello, let me do the math. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Tori Lovello right now is 11th in the National Manager of the Year award. Like 11th. There's only 15th. 15 managers in the National League, and they think Tori Lovello, coming off the season he just had where he was arguably the best manager in Major League Baseball, I know I have a lot of gripe with Tori Lovello, but if the D-backs do take a step forward this year, coming off the World Series appearance, and maybe they get to that 90-win mark, if that's possible for this D-backs team, because um, obviously they... It doesn't feel like they'll win the division with the Dodgers, but they can get to 90 wins and be the second or third best team in the National League with their record. Maybe fourth best team. I don't know. Whatever 90 wins get you. Like, Toy Lovello being 11th in odds for all these NL managers, I just think is absolutely ludicrous. At plus 1,400, he's actually my favorite bet on here. Ahead of Toy Lovello, like Dave Roberts, do we really think he's going to win manager of the year? He has his team spent three billion dollars this offseason. Like, yeah, the Dodgers should be good. I'm not going to pat Dave Roberts on the back for doing good. Brian Snicker, the Braves are absolutely loaded. I'm not going to pat you on the back. Or going to see someone like uh Craig Council turn around the Chicago Cubs and lead them to 100-plus wins? I don't think so. I don't think the Cubs are going to be that good next year. So I don't think he's going to win manager of the year either. So when I look at some of these guys ahead of Torrey Lovello, I think it's honestly kind of crazy that he's 11th in these odds at plus 1,400. Go smash that right now because I think Torrey Lovello has a very high chance to walk away with the manager of the year award at the end of 2024. Now that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Come back at this point next week for more Dimebacks News Coverage Insight. We're, of course, back to five days a week. The podcast should be coming in the morning, not at nighttime like I've been doing this past week. So hopefully they'll be in the morning every day next week. So come back next week for more Dimebacks News Coverage Insight. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. No says.